The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speaker. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice from your own physician. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. This is Brene Rosati, and we're going to discuss variations in practice patterns and pearls of wisdom from interventional spine physiatrists. Today with us is Benoit Benny. He's a physician that owns his own private practice, the Spine and Sports Center in Houston. He's also an ISMM fellowship director. Our topic today is how common is multiple burns on RFA and what temperatures do you use? I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Benny. Thank you, Renee. It's good to be here. So a little bit about myself. Um, I've been in Houston now for about uh, 17 years. I uh, did my fellowship training in Michigan and then went back to Houston. I'm married and have three children um, and went into uh, academics first and then into private practice. Um, so variations in RFAs. I think that there is a lot of different types of variations in RFAs. Um, technique is really important. And in Houston, um, there are people who do uh, lots of different types of burns and different number of burns as well. Um, in the NAS fellowship and teaching about uh, criteria for RFAs, our recommendation is to do two lesions uh, per nerve. Um, and the reason is because of the variability of the nerve and where it sits. And since we aren't actually seeing the nerve, but we know where the nerve is, if you do multiple lesions, at least two lesions, then you should be able to cover the area of the nerve. Um, in terms of temperature, um, I use 80 degrees for 90 seconds. And that's usually the recommendation that's recommended both in the lumbar levels and in the cer cervical levels. You'll find different people use um, different temperatures, but usually if you use 80 degrees for 90 seconds, you're not going to get any charring, <clears throat> but you will get good lesioning and a good lesioning size for the burns. So then the other question comes to, okay, what size of lesioning sh should you do? Um, if you uh, look at your needle tip, you'll find different types of lesion size. You might find a five millimeter tip, you might find a 10 millimeter tip. And usually for those lumbar levels, we recommend a 10 millimeter tip. Um, and I usually use, again, depending on the device, you want to be able to use a larger size needle. So there might be some needles that are 16 gauge needles. And there's some devices that have like an 18 gauge needle, but you have those tongs that be able to spread out. And so you'll get actually a 16 gauge uh, lesion, uh, lesion size, and that's also okay. Remember when you're going there, you're trying to get a large lesion as possible to get the variability of that nerve. And that is truly, truly really important as you're doing these lesionings. In the cervical spine, um, I use the same temperature. Uh, I do use a smaller tip. I use a five millimeter tip. Um, I think you can use a 10 millimeter tip. You just have to be a little careful. Um, and again, I, I use an 18 gauge needle uh, to also get a pretty good size lesioning for the ablations. Excellent. Thank you. That's very helpful. And I do know that, you know, I trained at Emory and we had a lot of different attendings that did use those different temperatures um, for the lumbar or the cervical spine. Um, so you use a 18 gauge or a 16 gauge for the lumbar spine. Yes. So I will use an 18 gauge, um, like a striker needle that is the same as a 16 gauge needle. Um, and otherwise I'll use a 16 gauge needle. And then for the uh, cervical, I'll use an 18 gauge needle. So I'll either use a 20 gauge striker or if it's a non-striker needle, uh, 18 gauge. 
you're talking about the multi-tined venom tip when you're talking about the striker needles. I think there are other products in the market as well that have the multi-tined tip and you have them all as autoclaved, they're reusable needles, right? Or reusable. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it depends on the type of needle that you use. So I think it's really important to, um, take a look at the needle, you know, meet with your reps, which with, with whatever device you're using and just remembering that you want to try and get a larger lesion size. So whatever that is, if you, if you don't have um, like a dual tong kind of thing at the end, then uh, our recommendation is probably for a 16 gauge needle in the lumbar level and um, like an 18 gauge needle um, on the cervical level. Um, and then, you know, again, uh, like I had mentioned, um, uh, Texas is kind of like the Wild West a little bit where a lot of people only use single uh, lesions and they do that because of time. And I know it does take time a little bit when you're doing uh, dual burns on those, but for effectiveness of patients, if you want those, uh, uh, the effect to be lasting on average about a year, anywhere between nine months to 15 months, the data really supports using a double lesion. And it's really important. The other thing to note is also on those lesions, you're doing it at two different places. So what I do is, for example, if we're in the lumbar level, you'll have one at the neck and then you'll pull the needle down a little bit and you'll pull it down about five millimeters because you want to get an overlap and then you do a second lesioning. So I'm getting probably about a 15 millimeter lesion size on there. And it's important to get some overlap just to make sure that you have continuity of the lesion. And when you're repositioning the needle, um, from the first burn to the second burn, do you get new AP and lumbar images? So, yes. So, um, when I'm starting off, um, uh, you know, I start off on an oblique, um, and then I'll, I'll usually start off, uh, um, usually about 15 degrees oblique. And then I usually use a tilt towards the feet. And this is the other thing that's really, really important is you want to be able to use a parallel nerve lesioning, meaning that, um, that needle has to be parallel to the medial branch. So it's really important to be coming from inferior to superior so that you get a good lesion parallel to that nerve and not perpendicular to the nerve. Because we all know that if you're coming in perpendicular to the nerve, you're not going to get as much lesion. And so after you do that first one, uh, when I reposition the needle, I'll usually go back to about a 35 degree oblique. So you can see that Scotty dog really well. And if you were up at the neck of the Scotty dog, then just pull down just a little bit and then uh, re-lesion again after doing the testing, of course. That's the other point that's really, really important. Even after you do the first lesioning, make sure that you do testing again and you don't want to be too close to that nerve root, obviously, because you don't want to get any injury to that nerve root. Do you put additional 2% lidocaine in for your second burn? Great questions, Renee. Um, yes, so I do. Um, I will, so in the lumbar level, I will inject about two cc's of 2% lidocaine after the first one and on the second one. I started doing that, I used to do that on the cervical areas, and I started discovering people would have like ringing in their ears, it would actually get into the epidural space. And so in the cervical area, I inject about half to one cc, and then I'll repeat that. Okay, great. Yes, I think I had heard in training, you know, if, if the multifidi, you know, if the medial branch is numb, then the testing isn't beneficial because it's numb. Um, but I guess if we're repositioning to a different area, that nerve's not numb. Yeah, I find probably just anecdotally, I don't know whether it's been studied or not, but I probably find probably about 30% of the time I'll get multified contraction on that second one. So I think it is really important to do the retesting again.
Okay, great. Well, this has been a really interesting topic and I think super relevant to people's everyday practice. Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you tune in again. Bye.